Hello, welcome to Adapt, episode 39, which is brought to you by Hover. My name is Ryan Christofel, and I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Federico Vatici. How's it going, Federico? I'm good, Ryan. How are you? Doing well. Doing well. I've had some computing changes in my life recently. Mm. Uh, you may have heard. <laughs> it's funny. I've Yes, I've been using a Mac. Um, I've actually been using a Mac a lot for the last week or so. My MacBook Air came in earlier than expected. Thank you, Apple. Um, I've also been using an iPhone 12 mini, and it just feels like my whole computing world has been upended. It's very strange. Interesting. So you got a small phone and a Mac- and a MacBook Air with the M1 chip, right? That is this correct. Is the new one. Yes. Okay. And you've been using this MacBook Air for all of your work for about a week. Basically, right? yes. Yeah. I mean, there's there's a few, uh, maybe a couple things that I've still been doing on the iPad. Um, mainly things that involve Apple Pencil, and then yeah, that not not too much. Uh, I've purposely been trying to use the Mac a lot, and so I think in time my kind of the the time I split between the Mac and the iPad will shift a little bit. But uh, but we'll get into all that. That's 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 what we're going to talk about today. Okay, okay, interesting. So b- before we get into the details of of the experience, sort of a, a recap of the machine that you got. Uh, MacBook Air, what kind of specs? Yeah, I got the uh, I got the one with the eight core CPU, the seven core GPU. Um, I didn't pay okay. for that extra one core of GPU, so I got seven core GPU. Uh, I bumped it up to sixteen gigs of RAM rather than the base model of eight, okay. and then I also upped the SSD to five hundred twelve gigs of storage. Um, space gray. That's uh, that's that's my computer. That's what I've been using. For the last week. Okay. So how how did you set it up? I st- actually set it up as new. So okay. I, I have this Mac Mini, which I'm, I'm planning to sell. And I've been using the Mac Mini basically just for podcasting and maybe a couple other rare random things every now and then. But, uh, but I decided that rather than just kind of like transferring over i don't even know i know migration assistant is a thing i don't really know much about max as as is very clear from this conversation but um i i just decided rather than you know basing my new mac on the old mac which was primarily just for podcasting i thought that i would set it up as new and kind of get that fresh experience and so that's what i did uh just installed you know a handful of apps that i needed it was actually in some ways a quicker setup process than my normal setup process for like a new iPhone or a new iPad, because I also tend to set those up as new. I, I just like to kind of start fresh and rethink, oh, what apps do I actually need here? You know, change settings as needed. Um, maybe this will change in the future, but I think because I know the iPhone and the iPad so well, I know kind of all the little settings and the little tweaks that I can make. And so I do make those changes. Whereas on the Mac, I don't know quite as well like i used to use a mac you know back before my ipad Mm. pro i used it regularly but i wasn't you know i I wasn't as savvy when it came to kind of uh i don't know custom setups or uh different kind of life hack type things and uh and so i really don't know a whole lot of what i need to tweak on this mac at the moment um probably in the future as i learn more kind of tips and tricks, then it'll take longer to set things up. But I set it up as new, didn't change a whole lot, installed some apps, and uh, and got going. Okay. 
And so what was your, uh, describe your first day of work. Like what what was the impact of switching from from an iPad to a Mac full-time again? It was interesting. It, in some ways, I'd say it was surprisingly boring. (laughs) Um, It was, yeah, I mean, the two platforms are pretty different, obviously. And so I, you know, I started using it and it was like, oh yeah, this is, this is how I use computers for most, most of my life, right? It was no touch screen, um, just kind of standard traditional computing habits, uh, multi-windowing, kind of managing different windows around the screen. Like it was, it was pretty boring. I mean, and that's kind of one thing that Apple has decided to do with these first M1 Macs is yes, they're more powerful. Yes, they're more you know, power efficient, but they're also kind of just the same old Macs in some ways, right? The The hardware is not different in a visible way, in an external way at least. And Mac OS is different, but lots of that is just design, right? It's not necessarily mm-hmm. fundamental changes. And so, yeah, I'd say the first day was kind of like, okay, yeah, I'm using a Mac now. It's nothing particularly special, nothing certainly mind-blowing by any means. It was just, okay, I'm, this is the computer I'm using now. And um, it, it's been a really busy last, well, last mm. several weeks, but um, the last week that I've been using it especially, it was kind of like, okay, just go straight to work. I didn't really have time for fiddling around with things. Um, and so it was just like, okay, this is the computer I'm using. Let's Let's use it. And this is running Big Sur, of course. Yes. And what what does it look like on a, on an M1 Mac? I, I I mean I guess it looks about the same as it does on other Macs. Uh, I really like the design. Um, I've I enjoy kind of the the clean looks of uh, all the updated uh, UI elements. I really like the redesigned toolbars. Um, I like how different apps have different accent colors and it's just clean and nice looking and um i I don't know i mean i i guess it looks like it looks on other platforms um one nice thing for me is that you know the the monitor that i was using my mac mini with uh, which i hadn't installed big sur yet but uh, just mac os in general it wasn't you know the greatest resolution i I think i've got a, a nicer display on my macbook air which is always good for testing out shiny new things and uh yeah i mean it's i don't know it's fine it all of this makes it sound pretty unremarkable and that's kind of the truth i guess um Mm -hmm. is that it's a mac and yeah i like big sur and the way it looks i like some of the changes there but it's a mac and that's kind of the end of story to some degree right what about like um the what they showed at the event waking waking the computer from sleep is it a is it as immediate as they made it look it is yeah it is as immediate and really the one kind of negative associated with that is that unlike an ipad pro uh, there's no face id and so yes the computer wakes right away it, it is instant but it's not unlocked right away you've got to use touch id or or mm-hmm. whatever other unlocking method you use and so there's a bit of a delay there. But but yeah, as far as waking up itself, it's definitely faster than previous Macs. And uh, it's much more uh, aligned with the ways the iPad and the iPhone have been for years now. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. So 
working on macOS. So I guess my, my, my biggest question would be, coming from, from the iPad and iPadOS, you're used to things like split view and slide over and a very tactile way of dealing with multitasking and operating you know, multiple windows and windows of different sizes. And obviously, it's an entirely different system on the Mac. You can do split view, but split view is different on the Mac. And it, you, know, you can do full screen apps and all that kind of stuff. How is switching? And I guess my question is because I do use a Mac a couple of times a week, such as right now, for example. And I, I don't have any particular needs. I just need to open Skype and Safari and Notes and QuickTime and I'm done. But every, every time I try and do something more, I stumble upon these roadblocks in the sense that macOS treats multitasking differently and it requires a different way of operating Windows and thinking about it. And I don't know, every time I, I try to do things like I want to put two Windows side by side on my Mac Mini and I try and do it like I would do it on an iPad, it doesn't work like that and it kind of annoys me. And so I was wondering, what's your what's your experience been like in this regard? Yeah, I was really curious to see kind of how I would feel about resizable windows and being able to to have more control over that um, in that really before I switched to the iPad Pro back in 2015, I, I was kind of annoyed by the just the constant resizing different windows and setting them up exactly the way that I want them. And um, I still need to probably get something, uh, some app that will help um, make everything quicker and easier, maybe using keyboard shortcuts to arrange different windowing setups. I haven't done that yet. But my my first week's impressions have been that I actually really appreciate the, the flexibility of the Mac's windowing system, at least for now. Um, I don't use the Mac's full screen or split view features. I, I've tried them a little bit so far and maybe over time I will find ways that you know I I appreciate them or find value in them but right now I, I it just seems too finicky without touch it just feels weird the way that all that works um I like I set up I think I set up a split view one day just to kind of see oh how's this going to be on the Mac and I pretty quickly uh changed out of it and and just kind of had freeform windows again because it just felt weird on a Mac. Mm. And uh, so I've, I've been manually resizing windows based on the different setups that I need. Um, it's been nice in that I, I feel like there's just more, more power and more versatility for whatever task I'm working on at the time. And so, you know, there have been a variety of times this past week where depending on what I'm doing at the time, I'll put three or four different windows on screen and I can resize them to exactly what I need. And it's it really feels like a workspace where everything that I need is right there in front of me. It, it's not not at my fingertips, but it's at my, you know, my, my cursors. Um, uh, I, I don't know what word I'm looking for, but it, it's right there available for me. And that's been nice. It's It's the kind of thing where if I were using my iPad... Yes, I could have two apps in split view, and I could put a third in slide over. Um, it just, it's more constrained, right? It's more constrained on the iPad, and that's a good thing in some ways. Like, I, I really think that 
using the iPad's multitasking system is more fun in many respects. Like it feels more natural and intuitive and um, and clean and simple. It's like, okay, you've got these few modes that you can use and you can adjust apps to these few different sizes. And on the Mac, it's kind of like, oh, you do whatever you want. I, I wish there was a better balance of both. And maybe someday mm-hmm. if the Mac gets touch support, then using split view on the Mac could actually be really nice. But for now, at least, I, I'm enjoying having the the freedom to resize multiple windows. It is annoying still when I'm kind of transitioning to different setups, working on different tasks. Okay, I'm going to switch this window out or I'm going to manually resize this one. But in the first week, it's been more of a positive than a negative, And I've pretty quickly adapted to, to the new setup. And, and that was a surprise mm. for me. Have you found yourself missing touch input on, on the Mac? Yeah, I have. Not as much as I expected, actually. Mm. So I was expecting that I would, first of all, be touching the screen all the time because that's what I've done for so long. And, and I'm sure that one thing that's really helped in this regard is that uh, earlier this year, the iPad gained you know, pointer support. And I guess I've been touching my iPad less ever since March um, and ever since the Magic Keyboard. And, and that probably was a good like transition to now being on the Mac, not being able to use touch. I've certainly touched the screen a few times in the last week, but it's been far less than I expected. And there really have been very few times where I wanted to. Um, the main time that I've wanted to touch the screen is when it comes to like selecting multiple things at once kind of the you know what you can do on the ipad with multi-selection with multi-touch where maybe i've i've picked up um an email message that i want to move into a folder and now you know on the ipad what i would do is i would use some other finger to tap on other messages and group them all together in a stack and then just with one gesture, drop them into that folder that I want to sort them into. Uh, mm. Similar with you know the Files app, picking up multiple documents and, and storing them in different folders. Well, I can't do that on the Mac. And um, it's that, that's definitely been the biggest annoyance in not having touch. It's like, here's this capability that I had before and a gesture that I'm very, very used to that I would do all the time. And now I just can't do that. You know, I've got to do multi-selection some other way. And so that's the main area of mistouch. Um, but for the most part, I've, I've actually had a pretty positive experience without it. Um, I, I definitely want Apple to bring it to the Mac. I, I hope that they do. But for now, I'm okay without it. Okay. Interesting. So are you, are you using any, to go back to the multitasking topic, are you using any third-party utilities to do things like window snapping, you know, there's some certain certain utilities on the Mac like Better Touch Tool, Moom is is another I believe that sort of allow you to they give you like custom keyboard shortcuts and gestures to to make windows like a specific size or put them in a specific corner. Are you doing any of that, or you're just you know opening windows and dragging them around manually? Yeah, right now I'm not using any apps like that. I I'm mm. planning to. I'm planning to kind of look into them okay. and and get one just to at least try it out and see if that's you know, a better approach for me. Um, I assume that you can kind of tweak everything to your exact liking. And so I'm expecting that, like I said, it's only been a week and it's been a really busy week. And so I haven't had a lot of time to think through the maybe 
optimizing the way that I use the Mac. Um, so it's just been manually kind of resizing things, but, but I, you know, I have different setups for, um, different work tasks that I have where I tend to have certain apps in certain parts of the screen. And so I could probably, you know, set things up with better touch tool or something else to be able to quickly arrange everything in the way that I want it with a keyboard shortcut. And so I'm planning to do that at some point in the future. I just haven't gotten around to it yet. Got it. Got it. And, um, I'm sure you, you want to talk about a bunch of apps, but before we get to that, I want to ask you about shortcuts. Uh, so obviously there's no shortcuts on the Mac yet, which is kind of strange. I have to believe that it's going to be like a 2021 feature for Mac OS. How are you getting by without all your shortcuts from your iPhone and iPad on Big Sur? So the shortcuts that I've needed to run, I've either done it on my iPhone or my iPad. I, I just... You, know, you you can't do it on the Mac, and so I've just learned. Okay, well, if I need to okay. run the shortcut, I'll pick up my iPhone or I'll pick up my iPad and and run it there. Um, it hasn't been a big issue. Um, honestly, this would have been a lot harder for me if I had started using the Mac a few weeks ago. Um, you know, I recently stopped writing for Mac Stories, and lots of the shortcuts that I was using had to do with my work <laughs> for Mac Stories. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, different shortcuts for uploading images, for putting screenshots into frames and, you know, all those things that I did many times every single day. If, if I were using a Mac um, while still doing all of that work, then I, I definitely would have suffered a lot and I would have really, really missed shortcuts. Um, but the, the shortcuts that I've been using the last few weeks are not necessarily regular part of my workflows. It's more like, oh, I need to do this thing occasionally. And so I'll pick up my iPhone and do it that way. I really haven't run into anything where it's like, oh man, I several times a day, like I wish I could do this on my Mac. Um, it hasn't happened yet. That, that may happen in the future. But for now, I've been okay without shortcuts on the Mac. And like you said, I hope that that changes. I hope that they, they bring it next year. But, uh, but right now, it's fine. Um, it, it would have been really bad a few weeks ago, though. Mm -hmm. Okay. So what kind of apps, I guess, what kind of apps are you, are you enjoying on the Mac that you just couldn't use on, on the iPad? Hmm, that's a great question. I don't know that there are apps that I couldn't use on the iPad that I'm using on the Mac because... Like I'm looking at my dock here and it looks a whole lot like my dock on the iPad. Like the, the apps that I'm using, there are different versions of those apps, right? So uh, Todoist, for example, uh, my current task manager, I'm using that on the Mac and I actually don't particularly care for the Mac app. It's, you know, it's essentially like a web wrapper. It's, it's their web version in app form. And it's just not, it's just not my favorite. There's no... For example, there's no automatic um, switching of themes based on your system appearance setting. So, you know, mm. you switch between light and dark mode on your Mac. The Todoist doesn't follow that behavior. Uh, so that's kind of annoying that you can't just like pick up a task and drag it around by clicking anywhere on the task. You have to grab the little drag handles. Todoist isn't my favorite. Um, Slack, we talked about a little bit last time. I, I actually have enjoyed the Slack app. I'm sure that there are negative is about it maybe it's a resource hog or whatever but i feel like on my macbook air at least at the moment there's so much headroom with 
how capable the M1 is with my 16 gigs of RAM and everything. Like I really haven't experienced any problems with the Slack app. And I like how you can have like a separate column for threads. So you don't have to, you know, leave the main um, channel view when you're viewing a thread. You can view it all at once. Uh, There's some other nice things about the Slack app that I enjoy. But yeah, mostly it's just different versions of the same apps. I, I use Apple Mail and Notes. Um, I'm using Fantastical, which is very, very similar between Mac and iPad, which is great. And yeah, there there really haven't been any um, apps that are things not available on the iPad that I've been using. And again, I think that's something that will come in time as as things kind of slow down. And I'm hoping maybe over the holiday season, life will slow down a little bit and I'll be able to spend some extra time figuring out, you know, what are the different unique things that the Mac has to offer that weren't available on my iPad. Whereas because I have transitioned in such a a busy time, it's like I, I really didn't have time to rethink how I'm doing different things or, oh, what is, you know, wh- what are those great Mac apps that, that Mac people have talked about for years? Like, I just haven't looked into any of that yet. It's more like, okay, what are the apps that I've relied on every single day on my iPad. Let me get all of those on the Mac. And I've certainly noticed differences in some of those apps, but for the most part, it's more just using the same apps that I'm, that I'm used to. And, uh, and that's kind of how things have been for the last week. Okay. Um, so I, I guess what's the, what are some of the differences that you've noticed uh, in your average workday? Uh, in terms of like, oh, I was doing this this thing on the iPad a certain way before, and now on the Mac, it's even if it's not necessarily better or worse, but it's different and sort of. I mean, it's kind of funny because the name of the show is Adapt. So I kind of want to ask you, how are you adapting to to the Mac? Like, uh, what are some of the takeaways from you know having worked on the iPad for several years and now? Switching to the Mac, sort of, a, what's the process like? And I know it's only been a week, but maybe you've already been able to see some like big picture differences. I'd say certainly resizable windows, as I've talked about already, is mm. probably the biggest difference. Um, besides that, it's more like small things here and there that are differences, whether positive or negative. Um, so some of the positive changes are uh, the menu bar. Um, that's, that's certainly okay. a big difference between the Mac and the iPad. And there's a couple apps in particular that I, I really appreciate having, um, in the menu bar. One is, uh, Toggle has a time tracking app that lets you see both what timer is currently running, uh, as you're tracking your time and the exact duration. So it'll show you, you know, this timer, your writing timer, has been running for an hour and 10 minutes. And that's really nice to just have visible on screen at all times so I can get a sense of how long I've been working on a particular thing or um, what I'm supposed to be focusing on right now. And that's the kind of thing where on the iPad, you would maybe use widgets to get kind of that that kind of insight. So maybe widgets that are pinned um, on the left side of the home screen. And so you'd go home and see, okay, this is the timer that's currently running. And so it's nice to have that just in the menu bar because it's available all the time. And kind of on a similar note, Todoist, even though there are some things about the Mac version that I don't like, 
Uh, I do appreciate that you can see your total remaining tasks for the day in the menu bar. That's the kind of thing where I don't know if it's just a a design difference, but um, I've never been one on my iPhone and iPad who likes having uh, badges turned on for app icons. And mm-hmm. I know with Todoist on iPhone and iPad, you can badge the app icon with the number of tasks that are remaining. And there's just something about that. Maybe it's that it's red. Maybe it's that I, I don't know what it is, but I've never turned that feature on. I, I, I don't like the idea of going to my home yeah, screen and seeing same. this. Yeah, it's just, it, it feels like, oh, look, look at all these things that you haven't done yet. I don't get yeah. that feeling looking at the menu bar. And I'm not sure if it's like because it's a mm. small little part of the screen, if because it's white text versus kind of this red badge. And I don't know, it's it's more subtle, um, but it's there when I want it. And I can look and see, oh, okay, I've got this many things left to do today. And again, that kind of helps me get a sense of of how the day's going and what I still need to kind of stay on top of. And so I'm, I'm guessing there will be even more things in the future that kind of along those lines are data points that I'm interested in seeing and that I can kind of keep in the menu bar. Uh, normally, I would do that with widgets on the iPad and widgets on the Mac uh, are not, not quite as good. I mean, just pulling them in from the side of the screen. I, I don't understand, for example, in, in Big Sur, you, you kind of pull in the notification and widget um, you know, panel overlay by clicking on the date and time in the corner, which I, I don't understand that. Like why, Who, who's going to figure yeah, out that that's what you're supposed to do? It. <laughs> it's very strange. Um, but we just seem kind of like they're not as important on the Mac. And, and I guess they're not because you have the menu bar, you have other things. But, um, but as a result, I really haven't been using them on the Mac so far. And maybe, I mean, maybe there'll be more kind of, valuable widgets in the future that I try out that um, are going to be, you know, helpful for me. I, so far, it's like the menu bar has kind of replaced some of the things that widgets were good for before. Um, and it's nice in a sense in that it just takes up a little tiny part of the screen and it's available all the time. The menu bar is never hidden. Uh, whereas with widgets on the iPad, you'd have to go back to your home screen to see them. So um, there's there's some value in the menu bar for sure. Uh, other things that are different, uh, I'd say, you know, I've talked about video calls before and how the the iPad has certain restrictions, limitations that that make it not as great a device for video calls. It's something mm. really funny happened this last uh, week or two in that I, I talked about last time how, and I've talked about it many times before, how with Zoom on the iPad... If you put any other app on screen with Zoom, whether it's a slide over, whether it's, you know, split view, and you can't use your camera at all, your camera automatically deactivates. Well, that has been fixed in the last update. (laughs) And now you can actually use Zoom the way that you would want to with other apps on screen. And, you know, this has seemed like a, a system limitation for a long time because, I mean, every other app I've ever tried Whenever you put it in split view, the camera shuts off. And so it's been a part of iPad OS, but some at some point something changed. And I don't know, I, I assume Apple changed something on their end rather than just this being something that 
that Zoom updated to support. But uh, but that was a nice change. Uh, so if if I were still using the iPad as regularly, then I would really appreciate that. Um, but using Zoom on the Mac is nice because you can you know you can open all kinds of other windows. You can like on video calls that I'm doing regularly, like I'll have five or six different apps that I'm interacting with during that call. And that would, even though now on the iPad, you can have multiple apps on screen without disabling your camera, that would still be more cumbersome on the iPad, kind of switching back and forth between different apps rather than keeping them close by on screen. Um, So video calls have definitely been better for me. There are some small things that I, I guess just, I'm used to the way that the iPad works and the Mac not working that way just feels weird to me. So um, one little thing is that when I'm trying to move files around inside Finder, um, my my kind of natural way to do that on the iPad, sometimes I use drag and drop, but most often I'll right click on a file and you know hit the move action from there and move it to a particular folder you can't do that on the Mac with a right click. There's no move operation in that menu that comes up. Like you can move it to trash, but there's no other move option. And so mm. it's like you have to drag and drop it manually, which seems very strange. Like you think that the Mac of all platforms would be the one that has everything in a menu rather than requiring you to use a gesture like drag and drop. Maybe I'm missing something, but I've found that really strange. I, I continually... I'm trying to move files around by right clicking and then I'm like, oh, there's there's no move option yeah. here. And yeah, I don't get that. But um so small things like that. When I'm annotating PDFs on the Mac, uh I'll use the markup tools and add text. Oh, that can be fun. Yeah. <laughs> I guess yeah. It's yeah. it's definitely mm-hmm. not great. It's 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 problematic, but often what I'm doing is not actually using like the pencil tools, but instead just adding like text boxes onto PDFs. Um, and on the Mac, for some reason, when you do that, there's no way to quickly and easily duplicate a text box. Whereas on the iPad, you can just kind of tap the text box and there's a duplicate option. And that's something that I need to do for school regularly. So just small things like that, that aren't great. Um, I do enjoy having function keys on my keyboard and that's not something that's unique to the Mac, but it it is unique to apple keyboard designs uh so for the ipad you can get a keyboard and you can use i mean you could use like a a mac magic keyboard uh, connected over bluetooth to your ipad and have function keys but uh the the standard ipad focused keyboards that they make the the smart keyboard folio the ipad magic keyboard they they don't have function keys and I really like having function keys. I, I've been using, you know, the volume function keys regularly, playback controls. There's a do not disturb function key, which is really nice. Um, just things that, you know, it's really nice to have quick access to. And I'm not sure. I, I know that Apple kind of with their keyboard designs for iPad, they they have less space to work with um, because they, they've got to make everything fit perfectly with with kind of the hinge system and it's just more complicated than keyboard design on the Mac, but I do like having the function row. Um, that's something that I've been using regularly. And so, yeah, there's there's a bunch of like, I guess, positives and negatives. Um, and I, I do find that at least at this point, 
I'm appreciating um, the iPad's like focused design for single tasks that I'm going to do. So writing is still a task that I think works really, really well on the iPad where it's a more focused environment. You, you may just have one app on screen or maybe two, um, but I just find that trying to do that on the Mac, even if I close out all my other windows or close out all my other apps, it just, it doesn't feel as nice as writing on the iPad. And so for things that I really want to focus on, I found myself, you know, going to the iPad to do that. Um, whereas if I've got a whole bunch of things going on at once, then the Mac is definitely a better platform for me in those scenarios. And and right now, at the current you know season of my life, I'm more often just kind of doing a bunch of things at once. And so the Mac has been good for me in that sense. But um, but definitely some some valuable you know attributes of the iPad that that are great for different types of work, for focused work, for um, keeping yourself from getting too distracted, uh, which I feel like is easier to do with a Mac. Mm -hmm. All right. I want to talk about some other questions that I have and some surprises and other differences with the iPad and apps, of course. But I think before we do that, we should take a break. Yeah. Let me thank our sponsor for today. Uh, this episode is brought to you by Hover, one of RelayFM's longest running sponsors. When you have that one big idea, where do you go? Well, your business starts with a domain name. So for many entrepreneurs, Hover is that big leap. Hover has over 300 domain name extensions to choose from. No matter what you want to build, there's a domain name waiting for it. And they have excellent technical support to answer any questions you may have. And they're dedicated to getting you online, not upselling you. Maybe you've always wanted to try live streaming. Why not grab a .live domain and have it redirect to your streaming platform? which Hover can also handle, by the way. Hover has free Who is privacy, so the bad guys don't get your information, a clean UX and UI, monthly sales on pop popular top-level domains. It's easy to see why Hover is the popular choice for people starting businesses. You know, I've had a variety of different domains over the years, and one of the most important things I always think about when kind of setting out on a new venture is what the name, what the branding will be. Uh, I have fond memories of times when I've had an idea for a name for some new site, some new thing that I'm doing, and I typed that name into Hover to see if the domain was available, and seeing that green check indicating that it is available meant that you know my dream for the project could become a reality, that I could actually have this branding, this identity for my project that I wanted, and you know that that moment of getting the domain name is a real turning point. Um, I know that our listeners, like myself, really appreciate intuitive user experiences and things that just work straight out of the box. And so I know that you will appreciate Hover. Uh, their UX and UI, again, is really clean and simple and easy to navigate. Uh, you can buy your domain and start using it today. Just go to hover.com adapt and you will get a 10% discount on all new purchases. That hover that URL, one more time, is hover.com slash adapt. Make a name for yourself with Hover. Our thanks to Hover for their support of this show and Relay FM. All right, what, what are your questions? What are your thoughts? Okay, okay. iOS apps on the Mac. 
tell me everything. How do you install them? What does it look like? What about using them and the sort of the, the, the simulated interaction system that Apple built on the M1 Max? Um, have you used them? Which ones? I don't know. T tell me everything. I've used a couple and really it was more for testing purposes. There haven't been any that I am aware of at this point that I'm like, oh, I've got to have that on my Mac because I'm going to need it regularly. It, it's more like, oh, I just want to see what this is like. And so the, the two that I've used so far are uh, Castro, the podcast player, which is an iPhone app. So there's not an mm -hmm. iPad version of Castro, iPhone only. And then the other was a game, uh, Spell Tower Plus by Zach Gage. And that is an app that does have an iPad version. And so, you know, the reason I point that out is because with iPhone only apps, they really just appear in this small window on screen. Um, you, you can't kind of resize them to make them huge and fill up a good portion of the screen. Uh, it's just a, a small little part of the screen. Whereas with iPad apps, as you would expect, they take up more of the screen. And so it's, it's just a better overall experience for apps that officially support the iPad. Um, and I'd say, you know, my limited time with both Castro and Spell Tower Plus is that they're usable, right? They, you, can, you can do things with the, mm. the pointer, with the max cursor that you, you know, that you need to do in place of touch, and it's fine. Like, it's not great. Um, Castro, in particular, if you are familiar with the app, it, it really does a great job on the iPhone of supporting the iOS drag-and-drop system. And the nice thing about drag-and-drop, as I pointed out earlier, is that you can kind of use multiple fingers. You can use multi-touch to pick up different items. And uh, the way that that works in Castro is there's kind of this triage system for podcast episodes where most podcast episodes will kind of come into your inbox at first and you decide, is this an episode that I want to listen to or not? And if it is, then you put it in your queue. And if not, you can archive it. Well, you can do that entirely with buttons and just clicking on buttons to, to do it that way. But you can also pick up with drag and drop multiple episodes and kind of move them back and forth between these different parts of the app. So you can pick up several episodes in the inbox and drag them and drop them into your queue because you want to listen to them at some point. Well, again, there's no way to kind of do a multiple item pickup with a drag and drop action on mm. the Mac. And so that that entire way of using the app is off limits. You, you've got to use, you know, you can use drag and drop still, but it only works with a single episode at a time, dragging it and dropping it to another part of the screen. So it's it's fine. It's not as as you would expect, right? It's it's not optimized for the platform. Um, if you know, if you want to listen to podcast episodes, then that's great. You can do it in Castro. Um, with Castro in particular, there's not actually like a proper syncing system built yet. Um, it's not meant to be a great experience on the Mac. You can kind of restore the backup from your iPhone use of the app. But if you want to kind of use Castro on both the Mac and the iPhone back and forth, that's that's not a good option um, because there's no real syncing in there. I know that Overcast from Marco Arment um, does have a solid syncing system because it's been on the iPad for years. And so um, I haven't tried it yet, but I've heard that that's a pretty great uh, Mac experience 
because everything that you need is right there and it's already supporting the iPad. And so, you know, Castro is my my podcast client of choice. And so uh, I've tried it out. And most of the time that you're using a podcast app, you're just listening to the podcast, which obviously the Mac is is good at, right? It, it can play audio. Um, so there's no issues there. But there's definitely some some areas where it it can't do all the things that the iPhone version can do just because it doesn't have multi-touch. Um, Spell Tower Plus, again, it's the kind of game that it feels great using your finger to, to touch the different letters that you're stringing together into words. And on the Mac, you can click them, and it's fine, but it's not great. Uh, and that's, I'd say that's kind of maybe a, a, a brief summary of iPhone and iPad apps on the Mac. They're fine, but they're not great. Um, there's, they're not built for this platform. It's nice to have them, and I wish that there were more of them. You know, there, there are some apps that I wish would come over from the iPad or the iPhone to the Mac that developers have chosen not to make available. Um, I hope that means that they're working on full-fledged Mac versions, and so they don't want to kind of muddy the waters by having a, a half-baked Mac version right now. Um, but yeah, it's, it's okay. I mean, it, it's funny. I was browsing the App Store earlier today, uh, the Mac App Store, because... For a while, um, on the main Discover page of the Mac App Store, uh, I would see a kind of featured story or a featured collection of iPhone and iPad apps that can be installed on the Mac, and that is gone now. I'm not sure if maybe they were getting complaints because the apps weren't working as well as you know people who didn't really know. Oh, okay, I I, I can download iPhone and iPad apps now, like. I'm not sure why why that story is gone now. I, I can't find it at all, at least on the main page. And so they're they're definitely the App Store editorial team is now featuring, you know, apps that are optimized for Mac with the M1, um, taking advantage of different Big Sur features. Uh, there's there's a story for browser extensions in Safari, you know, all these things that are really the best of the Mac and the best of what Big Sur makes available. Um, and, you know, iPhone and iPad apps are kind of like, you can find them if you want to. You, you, you can do a search. And uh, even after you do a search, by default, uh, the Mac App Store will search for Mac apps, but you can kind of switch the search parameter to ser- search for iPhone and iPad apps instead, which brings up a lot more results. Um, but, you know, those apps are not necessarily going to give you the best experience. And mm. So yeah, that's it's it's been okay. I don't I don't think there's anything at this point that's like uh, an app that is going to be regularly used by me moving forward. Mm-hmm. But I do hope that all of all the changes that Apple has made to the Mac and to development tools and everything will push more developers to to kind of take the Mac seriously and um, and bring their iPhone and iPad apps over to the Mac, which which potentially will help make for even better iPad apps in the future too. I know we've kind of seen that with some Catalyst apps where um, different iPad apps that have been around for a long time started getting more and more kind of pro-level features um, before being brought over to the Mac. And that'd be nice to see with uh, with more iPad apps going forward. Any other surprises, good or bad, that you want to mention? You know, I would say that I don't know. The one thing that one thing that's been surprising is I thought that I would miss 
the iPad's pointer because mm. it, it's really interesting. Um, there was a a WWDC session this year, just all about kind of Apple's process in designing the pointer for iPadOS, and you know, it's it's not like it's fundamentally different from the pointer on the Mac, but there are some key differences. And so I thought that maybe going back to macOS, it would feel like I was I was missing, you know, all these cool kind of new evolutions of the pointer that Apple has brought to the iPad. Um, I actually haven't felt that way. There, you know, one thing that's kind of bugged me a little bit recently about the pointer on the iPad is the the snapping behavior where it kind of snaps to different buttons. It sometimes happens when I don't really want it to. And it, it takes away the level of precision that's there on the Mac because, and I think it's a good call for the iPad in general because of the way that iPadOS is built and apps for iPad are built to kind of have the cursor, you know, I, I guess it's the the inertia and the way that it kind of, moves around it's it's just a different it's a different way of using a cursor where it's less precise and you know it'll it'll find a button nearby and it'll kind of magnetically get pulled to that button and somewhat regularly that's not what I want to happen and so I find myself kind of having to like overcorrect of like okay I want to move the cursor here but oh I don't I don't want to move it too close to that button because then I it might get pulled into the button and I don't want it there. Um, it's it's something I didn't really experience much in the early days of using the cursor in iPadOS, and maybe that's just because it was it was a new thing and so I was excited about it and um, I was kind of used to learning this kind of new way of of using the iPad. But recently, it's been more problematic for me, and so having just kind of the boring old Mac cursor, which can be really, really precise, but that doesn't kind of get pulled into different UI elements, snapping to them the way that the iPad cursor is. That's that's actually been a nice surprise. And so, you know, I don't know if Apple plans on bringing some of the aspects of the iPad cursor to the Mac over time. Um, I, I could see it being good in some ways. And, and I suppose if Apple kind of follows its playbook that it's been following for several years now, where between the Mac and the iPad, it's not like they're just kind of copying things um, and bringing them to each platform, but they'll maybe take inspiration from, let's say, certain things from the Mac, rethinking them and bringing them to the iPad in a fresh way. And then on the flip side, certain things from the iPad, you know, thinking what's the best way to implement this kind of feature on the Mac and uh, and doing it that way. And so it'd be nice to have some changes potentially to the cursor on the Mac, but I don't necessarily want the full um, iPad setup, at least not now. Maybe you know someday if there are touchscreen Macs, then it would make more sense. But for now, I'm I'm kind of appreciating the the simple, precise cursor. And you know, another kind of OS related thing that that's been nice um, is that I, I no longer have to deal with the annoying keyboard row at the bottom of the screen on <laughs> True. the iPad that's regularly covering up interface elements that I want to use and um that's that's not a problem on the mac so that's nice um there are certain apps that you know i i am missing um like 
after we finish recording this episode, I'm going to edit it. And I do all my editing in Ferrite Recording Studio on the iPad. Uh, that mm-hmm. is not available on the Mac, not even on you know M1 Macs. And so I'll definitely need to do that on the iPad. Uh, Timery is a time tracking app for the iPad and iPhone that's not on the Mac yet. Uh, that's something that I miss. I'm using the official Toggle app on the Mac for now, but I'd love to use Timery if it became available. Um, and then, like I mentioned earlier, there's some aspects of Todoist that I don't particularly care for. Uh, I do like that I can set up a universal keyboard shortcut for adding a task. That's great. But other than that, like I, I'd much prefer to have the iPad and iPhone version of Todoist on the Mac. Um, and even some Apple apps are are not as good on the Mac. So uh, Apple Books and the TV app both are fairly different from their iPad versions. Uh, the Books app, it doesn't have the whole kind of reading now section um, that came to the iPad and the iPhone a couple years ago with a nice design with the New York font and and all of that and showing you kind of the latest books that you're reading, the books that you want to read, all that. Um, it's more just a, a basic kind of library tool like the books app used to be on iPhone and iPad where you can you can browse your library, you can read books and that's fine, but you don't get the updated features. So maybe they'll bring some of those over with Matt Catalyst next year. That'd be nice. Uh, the TV app is, it's not like the iPad and the iPhone versions. It's actually basically the Apple TV version of the TV app, um, but it doesn't have integration with third-party video apps. And what that means is that um, you can't connect the Max TV app to apps like HBO Max or um, you know other services that you might use for the most part because there aren't dedicated apps for those services. So like on the Apple TV, on the iPhone and the iPad, you can connect it to the, the Amazon Prime Video app or to the Hulu app and all of your watching progress will be reflected in the up next queue in the TV app. Well, on the Mac, because there are no connections with other apps, even where those apps are available, like HBO Max, which I've heard that it's terrible on M1 Max, but it is available on M1 Max. You can install the iPhone, iPad version, um, but there's no kind of point of connection to the TV app. And so essentially what you get when you open the TV app on a Mac is something that looks like the Apple TV version, except it doesn't have the integrations with all the popular streaming services that you might use regularly. And so like my Up Next queue, it doesn't have shows and movies that I've saved from HBO Max or from Hulu or from Amazon Prime Video. It mostly just has Apple stuff, you know, Apple TV Plus content or anything that I've bought from iTunes. And that's just a really bad experience. I, I hope they fix that at some point in the future because it's kind of like you have two Up Next queues. And so... I, you know, there's the one that's your real one on iPhone, iPad, and Apple TV. And then on the Mac, you just see Apple stuff. And so I, I basically haven't been using the TV app at all on my Mac, whereas I did regularly on the iPad. And so, um, yeah, there's there's a variety of things that are bad surprises too, I guess. Um, display resolution is another thing. I haven't looked up the numbers, but even though... The, the display resolution on my MacBook Air is better than that of the monitor I was using with the Mac Mini. 
it does not seem nearly as clear and crisp as my iPad Pro's display. Um, and so I'm guessing the iPad Pro just has a better display, which is too bad because this is this is a modern Mac, right? This this came out in 2020, and yet it has some of these hardware features such as only having Touch ID and having a not as great display and not having touch. Some of these things that the iPad Pro had several years ago. And I, I feel like overall, you know, my experience with the Mac is that it's it's mostly been what I expected. Um, it These M1 Macs running Big Sur, they are the Mac, but more modern in some respects, while still kind of lagging behind the iPad in some areas. And so, you know, I'm I'm hopeful to see kind of what the future of the platform is going to be because, like for years, the Mac was falling behind, and now with the changes Apple has made this year, the Mac kind of has a strong foundation again that it can build on, and so I'm curious to see what they do with that next. Like I'd be really really disappointed if this was the big year and then it's like okay the Mac's fine for another five years let's just kind of leave it alone. I don't think that's what's going to happen, but it's certainly a little bit of a fear in the back of my mind. Um, For the most part, though, I think that they've made the moves they need to make to help, you know, strengthen the platform and set it up for a strong future. But now it's like, okay, what's that future going to be? And and that's kind of my my biggest question is things right now aren't fundamentally different from the way Macs have always worked. but they've kind of helped the Mac get to a better place so that maybe in the future they will be fundamentally different and we'll just have to wait and see. Very nice. Well, thank you for all the details. This has been uh, fascinating to hear you talk about this stuff. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's so weird that I'm using a Mac now. <laughs> it's been so long. <laughs> um, I know, I know. Yeah, but I mean, it's... Uh, uh it's nice that that you know this is the timing of this with the with the M1 Max I think that works really nicely for you and uh I'm really intrigued by the MacBook Air I really want to play around with one eventually I mean it, it's a Mac I like I said I don't I think if you got one it wouldn't feel too different from what you're used to um maybe in a couple years if there's a touchscreen MacBook Air that would be a time to really check it out and see what that experience is like Right now, it's like, for me, you know, I'm not using a Mac primarily because of the M1 or primarily even because of Big Sur, although there are some nice changes there that I appreciate. It's more just, you know, my work has changed. The things that I need a computer for has changed. And and currently, the Mac seems to be a better platform for those things that I need to do. Mm -hmm. Um, And fortunately, because of the positive changes Apple has made, I'm not like going into this just really sad like oh i wish i could use my ipad but i have to use this mac instead um you know fortunately because apple has modernized the platform in in many ways i don't feel like i'm missing out too much um it it does feel like a good fit for me for right now but uh but again i'm curious what what's going to come next so yeah yeah um before we wrap up for today kind of on the note of you know some things changing with regard to mm-hmm. my life and, and, and computing in general, uh, I wanted to share that uh, this show, Adapt, is actually going to be uh, wrapping up at the end of this year. Um, yeah. We 
you know, we started this show um, in a place where both of us were using the iPad for all our computing and, um, and you know, trying out all these different iPad challenges week after week. And um, because of some changes, not only with my computing habits, it's not primarily because I'm using a Mac more now, um, <laughs> yeah. but more because just some uh, some of the different work and life demands uh, have made it really challenging for um, for me to commit to some of the things that I've been doing for a while and that I've loved doing. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm, I'm no longer writing at Mac Stories, and that's something that uh, I've loved doing for many years and, um, and, and miss already, but uh, kind of in line with that, um, you know, doing this podcast is something that, that it seems like a, a good time to kind of wind down as, as we're transitioning, or as I'm transitioning, I guess, into kind of a new direction in, in life. And so, um, so we've got a, a couple more episodes coming up. Um, we'll, we'll have a chance to kind of do some, some maybe some bigger picture reflections on yeah, the state of the iPad sure. and thinking about the future of the platform. Um, but, uh, but at the end of 2020, um, we will, we will wind down adapt and, you know, the full catalog of all our previous episodes will continue to be available on relay FM. Um, of course. and you know, we're, we're so thankful to all of you as our listeners for all of your support for however long you've been listening, whether from the very beginning, um, or whether you started recently, uh, it's, it's been a fun journey. Uh, I think Federico and I have had a, a fun time. Uh, talk, oh, yeah. talking through a lot of different iPad things and also, you know, giving each other grief over the challenges that we mm-hmm. give each other. Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to, we'll have to take a break from, from frustrating yeah. challenges. And uh, I'm sorry to give people bad, more bad news at the end of 2020, but that's just the way it is. <laughs> yeah. We, we obviously like, it just made sense given all the changes um that that you know that are happening around ryan's life and and work it just made sense to wrap up the show here in a good place we you know with with all the topics that we wanted to possibly cover with the current generation of the ipad pro and ipad os 14 so yeah i think what we're gonna do is we're gonna do like a sort of a state of the ipad big picture overview for the end of the year we should have i believe two more episodes to go still so, uh, yeah, it just made sense for us to do it this way. And of course, as Ryan mentioned, uh, you will always be able to find the show archived on Relay FM as a retired show. And most of, our, most of the topics, really, that we covered over the past uh, couple of years, uh, I believe they, they will be evergreen topics. So, you know, you know, file management, automation, all that kind of stuff, you can go back and listen at any time. So, and yes, basically everything that Ryan said, and I also wanted to thank our listeners for following us so far. And uh, stay tuned for the two final episodes that we're going to do. All right. Well, with that said, uh, this has been episode 39 of Adapt. I want to thank Hover, our sponsor for this episode. Uh, if you want to find show notes for today, you can go to our website, relay.fm slash adapt slash 39. And if you'd like to follow us online, Federico is on Twitter and Instagram as at Batici. That's B-I-T-I-C-C-I. And he's the editor-in-chief at macstories.net. And you can find me on Twitter as at IRyan, T-L-D-R. That's I-R-Y-A-N, T-L-D-R. Until next time, Federico, say goodbye. Arrivederci. Bye.